in your corner, saving one investor at a time, working for clients, not companies, all while bullyproofing portfolios, totally committed to sharing academic truths about investing, always representing Main Street and not Wall Street. It's your Sound Money team, and this is the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. Hello and welcome to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell. And folks, we are a registered investment advisory firm. We're independent and we have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in your best interest. So when you come in for a visit, we're going to work for you as clients, not companies. And uh, there's no meter running. We'll meet on a complimentary basis for uh, as many meetings as necessary to fully analyze your situation to come up with a retirement compass report to make sure you're on track to where you need to be or want to be or both, a little bit of both. And for your convenience, we have multiple locations, uh, Milford, Blue Ash, Westchester, and across the pond in Florence, Kentucky. You're going to meet one or three of the guys or all three of the guys that you make a connection with over the weeks, months, and years, Greg Barry or James. If you're no longer with a company, we can help you roll out that 401K, 403B, TSP, MOUSE, some kind of company plan into a traditional or perhaps a Roth uh, IRA, take control of it, invest it how you want to. It's tax neutral. And even if you are employed, if you're over 59 and a half, we can help you do an in-service roller. Stay contributing to your 401k like nothing changed, but you can take control of it early. Give us a call, 513-575-9654. Visit our website at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Send us an email. We will answer every single one. Team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. You can call the studio right now and share your thoughts at 513-749-5500. That's pound 550 on your AT&T wireless. James Borg, what's going on? All right. Today's topic is about things that you can control with investing. So there's at least seven different things that you can control. What about you can't, you can't control? We'll cover those two. Okay. There's some things that you cannot control. It just seems like, like it. Like the weather. Yeah, like the weather or the market. And the point is, though, that these are the things that you can control with investing that could help your money go a lot further in retirement. So when it comes to investing for retirement, this is where are you focused on what you can control or the things that you cannot. So for starters, can't control what's next for the stock market. Now, that being said, we have met a number of people who maybe it's just their pessimistic nature that says, well, as soon as I invest in a particular fund or stock, it's going to go down. Hear that a lot. Yes. It's not you. It's, That's right. It's not you. It's me. No. Yes. It's not you. It's me. You, you can't control what's next for taxes or interest rates. Now, taxes and interest rates in general, maybe if you vote early, maybe you vote often, maybe you can control what happens next with tax policy and maybe interest rate policy as well. You cannot control the cost overall of health care. Now, you can manage the cost of your health care. You can choose wisely when it comes to your health insurance. You can also, when it comes to your Medicare plans, pick the plan, pick the plan that's best suited for you. So whether it's a Medicare Advantage or Medicare Supplement, supplemented that with maybe a prescription drug plan that covers your medications and when it comes to the different types of medical plans, ones that covers your doctors, your health care providers in their networks of coverage. You know, those are things that you can control that will help contain or at least somewhat contain the cost of your health insurance. Now, your out-of-pocket expenses, 
that's also hand in glove with the same thing about finding a plan that best suits your needs. Another one, and this is statistically speaking, when we say, well, depending upon your age will be depending upon the need of long-term care. That being said, we're not advocating necessarily to go out and buy a long-term care insurance policy. We're saying have a plan in place that will at least account for the need or at least a potential need for a long-term care stay. That's right, and a way to protect your assets. That's pretty much why you get that. There's other ways to do it. Yes, that's that's almost always the entire point about the long-term care protection plan is how do you protect your assets? And then the final thing about what we cannot control, although this is kind of like, you know, with a little caveat about, yeah, the, you know, there's a catch here. You cannot control exactly how long you're going to live. So I'll just say, in general, you cannot control how long you're going to live. So with that being said about what we can control, Barry, let's start with things that we can. Well, we can control having a written financial retirement. We call it a retirement compass plan. So you have an idea based on a certain set of rules and, and guidelines that you should follow if you can succeed or not, or at least have a high likelihood uh, succeeding. Well, these are different components, different aspects of maybe your overall plan. There's the component of your financial plan. There's the component of your retirement plan. And there's the component of your income plan. So these are different parts of maybe your overall comprehensive plan. But nevertheless, these are different things to focus on. Some people need them now. Some people maybe need them later, such as are you turning on income from your investments, from your retirement accounts? Are you turning that on now? Are you turning it on later? Is it going to be for the individual you? Is it going to be for the collective you as far as the husband-wife team goes? That's right. There's a lot of aspects to it, and it's important that you seek out a financial advisor that is holistic, covers all the bases of retirement. It's all about cash flow. Will you have enough cash flow to not um, outlive your nest egg? Now, another safety net or cash flow of income three to six months. A proper attitude about market versus market risk versus market reward. That's important, James, and we analyze the risk, which can be off base. That's including investments that generate adequate income to support your dis- desired lifestyle. Now, how about life insurance evaluation? BTID. What's that stand for, James? It stands for buy term and invest a difference. Or permanent whole life. Now, there's there's a purpose for both of them. And Why there's also universal that? life as well. So uh, the uh, whole life includes the what we think of as a whole life policy, but there's also a universal life that is also a permanent life insurance type of a policy. Now, in some cases, maybe the best solution is also the cheapest solution, which is to buy term and invest a difference. Now, that definitely is something that would be suitable for many people out there. It certainly fits a need for if you're paying off a a large debt like a mortgage for a younger couple. Maybe you don't want or need the permanent life insurance type protection. I mean, in some ways, when you think about who is the life insurance actually for, who is it designed to benefit? There's many components where when you're just starting off in life, You don't need to plan for a permanent life insurance type policy. You just simply need protection for a certain period of time, which exactly fits the bill with a term life policy. That's right. And and, and the expense is is very low compared to a whole life uh, policy you might not be able to afford. Now, later in life, when it comes to establishing maybe the components of what's called a tax-free retirement, 
That's where a permanent life insurance policy has living benefits that can be used. But there's also the estate planning purposes of where the permanent policy comes in. So it's like the are you at the 101 stage, are you at the 202, or the advanced planning stages of where life insurance can fit into not only your retirement plan but also your estate plan. Now, going back a, a step when you said, Barry, about having a safety net, a three- to six-month buffer of cash or cash flow in reserve. Think of this as your emergency fund. Now, that being said, here's where when we say, is your emergency fund liquid, is it liquid within, say, 30 minutes to an hour of you going down to the bank and drawing everything out? Or is it liquid within, say, three to five business days where you have it invested and actually working for you in the market, for example, but not just collecting dust at your bank in your bank account? That's a good so point. there's different ways of saying that, yes, it's liquid. Is it completely liquid where I can have it at a moment's notice? Or is it liquid enough where I have it within a week's notice? That's, that's a very different thing, and sometimes people lose sight of the fact that they can have their money working for them while they have their so-called safety net. Yeah, with uh, uh, managed risk, depending on your, your style. So how about a plan for Social Security and not just maximizing when the best time it is to take it? Or what about a spouse passing away? You lose one of the two benefits, so the lesser of the two. So you need a plan to plan for that. And how about, we already touched on this, James, long-term care insurance or some other kind of protection to protect your assets from spin-down, which is a five-year look-back. So you can't just do it when you, within a year or two that you know that someone's going into a nursing home. You have to plan ahead, maybe with an irrevocable trust, maybe with an asset protection plan, James. That's a good place to kind of stop and, and pick up after the commercial break. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. But after a break, we'll get back onto our topic about focusing on the things that you can control with investing. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Opinions expressed are solely those of Brown Financial Advisors and should not be interpreted as specific advice. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified investment advisors prior to implementation. Market-based investments involve risk and past performance is no guarantee of future results. Insurance-based investments offer guarantees based upon the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. All insurance, tax, and mortgage services are offered through Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors. LLC. Brown Financial Advisors and Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors are affiliated companies and may only transact business in those states in which registered or were otherwise legally permitted. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell. And folks, we are a registered investment advisory firm. We're independent and we have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in your best interest. So we're going to work for you as clients, not companies. Give us a call. We'll sit down with you as many times as necessary to complete a retirement compass report, we call it, a cash flow report, to see what retirement might look like for you. Give us a call at 513-575-9654. Visit our website at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Scroll about halfway down, and you're going to see six retirement readiness modules. Go ahead and take a test. See how ready you are. Send us an email at team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Call the studio right now at 513-749-5500. That's pound 550 on your AT&T wireless. James, 
Well, just a few things left on our what we can control list. It was starting with the Social Security benefits. What's really important to consider about this, now this is mostly important if you're married or if you have what amounts to the potential of spousal benefits. So, yes, if you're looking at individually, if you're single, never been married, then it's only based on your work record, only ever, ever based on your record. If you are married or have been married for at least 10 years, then you have the potential of spousal benefit claiming strategies. And depending upon if you've had children later in life or maybe dependent parents, there's the family benefit options. So when we say the the other types of ancillary benefits or the secondary benefits, it includes spousal benefit options. It includes family, child, parent benefit options. It also includes ultimately survivor benefit options. So there's there's a whole lot to the Social Security planning process and at the same time, it could be as simple as this. If you need the income, Barry, what do you do? That's right. You have to turn it on if you need it to live. And uh, also, don't forget, we can help you with estate planning documents like wills, trust, if you need it. Not everybody needs a trust, including powers of attorney, medical, and financial proper beneficiary designations. You'd be surprised how many beneficiaries are really incorrect because of a death or something like that. James, tell us some things that you can't control. Well, you can't really control what's next in the stock market. You cannot control what's next for interest rates. And usually we're focusing mostly on the short-term interest rates, which does affect the bond rates, of course. What will happen with taxes or tax reform? That's like saying, well, I can vote in or vote out who is my Congress critter, but can I impact who the folks out in California elect or maybe New York, who they put into power? No. Now, maybe if you move there, that's different. But at the same time, focus on what you can control, which is to say only who works in your jurisdiction. Economically, what happens next with inflation? Is it going to be or stay somewhat under control? Now, there's also when we say, well, inflation means what? Inflation usually means it's a loss of purchasing power of our dollar. So when you say, well, officially, do we have inflation or unofficially? What's the cost of bread, eggs and milk? What's the cost of commodities that I go buy? What's the cost of gasoline? Is it just simply the prices stayed the same and they've shrunk the packaging? Is that what's happening with the groceries? So inflation does happen as far as is it a cause or is it the effect? So when we lose the purchasing power a little bit at a time of our dollar, inflation really is the effect of what is happening. So inflation meaning that the prices are, relatively speaking, going up. The rising cost of health care, long-term care even, when you look at what is our quote-unquote inflation rate or the rate of inflation for certain items, one of those commodities that, those, that needs to be considered is the rising cost of health care, how much more that's going up, relatively speaking, to the overall price or rate of inflation. So, yes, the medical rate of inflation is rapidly increasing, and you can look no further than what happens with your health insurance policies if you're, if you're out on the marketplace or trying to obtain private health insurance. You know, it is a very expensive thing, and, yes, Congress did have a chance to do something about it, but they chose not to. Once again, going back to, yes, your Congress critters, our national debt – the social program obligations, world affairs, wars, rumors of wars, economically with China, for example. Or how about how long, going back to how long you or your collective view is going to live, how do you have that control? So really, this is what it gets down to. If 
all you do is worry and obsess over the things that you can't control, then it results in what's called a paralysis analysis. You don't have any type of, of closure. You don't have peace of mind. You won't get anything done, relatively speaking, when it comes to your financial and retirement plans. And ultimately, it gets down to this. If you fail to plan, then, Barry, you plan to fail. Yes. That's right. Well, knowing your you know, where you stand financially, then using that as a starting point, we can uh, help you figure out uh, when to trigger each of, you know, each of the events in your life. Uh, for example, timing is everything. I'm not saying timing the market because we don't believe in that. But when do you quit working, James? When? Uh, do you, can you quit working and still live a decent quality of life with the cash flow buckets that you have? Uh, when do you start tapping into your nest egg? Uh, that comes into play when we talk about Social Security maximization because the more you can take from what's entitled to you, like Social Security, maybe a pension, and the less you take from your nest egg, the more likely you won't run out of money. We look at that. Sometimes it's good to not wait for Social Security and get that credit, delayed credits. When to file for Social Security to get the maximum benefits. Uh, that all works hand in hand, James. And when do start giving money away? Say what? Explain that, James. Well, this could mean a couple different things. It could mean, for example, if you have an IRA and you're over the age of 70 and a half, maybe you decide yeah. that I'm going to donate money from my IRA directly to a charity via a qualified charitable distribution called a QCD, which does go towards satisfying your RMD, the required minimum distribution, but it does not count as income. What a great thing. Yeah. Now, giving money away could also mean getting it out of your estate. It could mean giving it to your in-laws, your children, your grandchildren. And maybe you stay below the threshold of reportability, which is to say 15000 per person per year. And, yes, if you are married or if that person or that couple is married that you're giving money away to, then these can effectively be doubled as far as the exemption amounts. Exemption means that you do not have to file a tax return called a gift tax return. Whoever is giving the money away, if you go above that threshold amount, you should be filing a gift tax return to at least report the gift to the government. Doesn't mean that you're going to owe money necessarily, which is to say taxes, but you must report that, or at least you should report that. It's up to 15000 in 2019 per person, and I think that— Now, right. I, well, here, I want to clarify something else, too, because we've, we've met a number of, of people or clients who've, who've tried to do this, and they say, well— what if I'm going to sell my house or sell a house to my child? I'm going to give them a really hefty discount. So I could have sold it for 300000 and maybe I'm going to sell it to them for, say, 200000 or, you know, pick a number, something less than, than the full market value. And it's also a well above and beyond the 15000 exemption amount. So constructively, if you had a $300,000 house, and you sold it for two hundred thousand, then three hundred minus two hundred is a hundred thousand. That means you have effectively gifted your child one hundred thousand dollars. And yes, that should be reported on a gift tax return. Barry, go ahead. Okay, but then there's a there's a lifetime what maximum that you can give? Yes, without paying taxes. Individual maximums. There's also the collective maximums. So the estate tax really is about a $6 million exemption amount. And it also, individually, you have at least a million dollars you can give away to any one person over their lifetimes, over your lifetime, and not have to actually pay taxes. 
So, you know, we're getting into a subject that's going to yeah. be for a different topic, different day. But nevertheless, don't be afraid of the $15,000 amount. And don't be afraid to, at least within your overall plan, to get these things out of your estate. That's right. Having to declare it on your tax return doesn't mean you're going to pay taxes on it, is the, is the point. So to reiterate some things beyond your control, how long you're going to live, your need for long-term care, interest rates, rates of inflation, and market volatility. Now, things you can control, how much you spend. That might be hard to change once you get into retirement, and a lot of people have to change what they spend. How much you save, that's accumulation phase. That's up to you. All the way back is as young as you want to start, uh, how much you invest, and having and sticking to, that's important, a financial plan. We create tons of financial plans, but if you don't stick to it, James, what happens? Well, that if you, you know, going back to, I'm going to mangle this again about the failure to plan, but nevertheless, how you're invested, very important because when the markets are doing well, People love to be aggressively invested in the market. And when turbulence, also known as volatility, starts setting in, or you have maybe what happened back in December where it seems like the markets are tanking worldwide, people become a little bit less aggressive, more conservative. And they're like, well, didn't you know I was conservative? Well, didn't you know that I wanted to be aggressive when the markets are doing well? Like year to date this year? Yes. You know, of course. Read my mind. This is what I want. I want market returns with treasury risk. That's what I want. Now, is that realistic? Of course not. So this is where having at least some type of balance in your plan is going to be really crucial to your long-term success. This is where having discipline in your investments, not always just simply chasing the market returns. This is what usually happens with people when they let their emotions dictate how they invest, is they wind up chasing returns and never quite catching them. So there's more. There's much more. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. After the break, we'll start with our topic of a strategy, things that you can control, a strategy of how to claim your Social Security benefits. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC. Detox Station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell. We are a registered investment advisory firm. We're independent. And we have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in your best interest. So, folks, when you come in to visit by calling 513-575-9654, we're going to work for you as a client, not companies. And no matter how long it takes, how many meetings it takes to come up with a income cash flow report to see what retirement may look like for you. Uh, we're going to meet as many times as needed on a complimentary basis. Uh, we have multiple locations for your convenience, Milford, Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, Kentucky. And if you're not going with a company, chances are your money shouldn't be either. We can help you roll that out. Tax neutral, uh, either traditional or a Roth, 401k, 403b, TSP, and take control of it. Even if you're working, you can move out as much as you can and take control of it before you actually retire, 513-575-9654. Visit our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email us at team at 
brownfinancialadvisors.com. James? Well, before we get into our topic of the day, I want to wish everyone out there a happy St. Patrick's Day and also take a few moments to talk about tax season. So we are right in the middle of tax season, and, you know, you hear a lot of, I would say, propaganda in the media about the impact of the Trump tax cuts and how there's so many people who are disappointed because their refunds are smaller this year than they were last year or they're smaller than what they expected them to be. It's, it's such a diversion from what really should be the focus, which quite simply is this. How does your tax bill this year compare to what it was last year? And I know that there's many different types of taxes, but we're focusing just on the income tax here. So when you look at what was your federal income tax bill last year, last year being 2017's tax year, versus what is your tax bill during tax year of 2018, if you have a comparable or even the same level of income this year as you had last year, did your tax bill go down or did it go up? And did you get more or more of a check throughout the year? Yes. Well, that's usually what happens is with the tax withholding rates having decreased, that means that you got to keep more of your money for most people during the year of 2018. And then at the end of the year, you didn't get as much of your money back. So think of your refund as like this. You have overpaid Uncle Sam during the year. Interest-free loan. Yes. And then you wait until the very end of the year, let's just say March or April of the following year, to get that money back. Once again, interest-free loan. So in essence... Let's say you're either refund or you had to pay. It was exactly as, the same as 2017, but your checks were bigger throughout the year. That means you came out ahead. And that's it. Right. But once again, the refund is just a diversion. It's, that's really not the focus. Or it should not be the focus. It should be as simple as this. Yep. Did your tax bill go up or that's did right. your tax bill go down? And for most people, most people being quantitatively speaking about 80%, right at 80%, got a tax reduction. That, to me, sounds like it was effective. Okay? Now, was it a large tax reduction for most people? No. Now, large, it's a very relative or subjective term. So let's just give you some examples here. Let's just say your overall tax bill last year, last year 2017, was $10,000. What you owed Uncle Sam at the end of the day, at the end of the year, in this case, you added everything up, what you owed based on your income was $10,000 in taxes. Now, this year, 2018, you add everything up. Maybe it's closer to, let's just say, 9000 or even $9,500. So let's just use 9000 for easy math. Now, for some people, they might say, well, my, my effective tax rate, let's just say income level was $100,000. I owed 10000 in taxes. My effective tax rate was 10%. This year, maybe my effective tax rate is only 9%. So maybe I just saved 1%. Nope. Well, that depends on your perspective, and this is why most people aren't that great at math. You might be good at math, but you're not great at math because here's what you really saved. You really saved 10%. If your taxes were 10000 now they're 9000 You saved 1000 off your 10. That is a 10% tax reduction. That's right. That's Once again, that it. sounds like a pretty good deal. So we have seen most people experience or realize between a 5 and 10% tax reduction from 2017 to 2018. So once again, what you see and read in the media is mostly a diversion. The Trump tax cuts have been effective. They have worked for most people. Have they worked for everyone? Of course not. But for most people, around 80%, the answer is yes. Besides that, can, can any of us remember the last time taxes went down instead of up? Oh, good point. So we'll take 
any little pennies at all because it's not going up. All right. Back to our topic about things that you can control. You know, one, one of these things that you can control is about your Social Security benefits, your claiming strategies for your Social Security. So, Barry, tell us more about this. Well, uh, most people take their Social Security benefits at face value, and they don't really attempt to maximize the collective benefits. As we said, you could be leaving thousands, uh, ten thousands, or maybe maybe more on the table. Of course, based on life expectancies, maybe you live longer. Uh, Social Security remains one of the critical pillars of retirement. Of the, fa- it's really the foundation. About thirty-three percent of your total cash flow comes from Social Security on average. And you can control when you take it. Uh, how and when you claim benefits can not only impact how much you get individually and collectively, it could also impact how much you pay in taxes, Medicare premiums, and so much more. Touch on that, James. Well, on the taxes, first and foremost, this is not fair because it's never been indexed to inflation that you start off with around 25000 is the threshold before you're your Social Security benefits start getting taxed. That's if you're single. Now, if you're married, that goes up to around $32,000, $34,000. And again, the taxes on your benefits could be as high as 85%. Now, that sounds really, really bad, and it's not really, really good either. But here's what that means. 85% of your benefit gets taxed at whatever your ordinary tax rate happens to be. So if you're in the 12% tax bracket, 85% of your benefits are taxed at 12%. If you're in the 22% bracket, then once again, 85 is taxed at 22%. Now, how it impacts your Medicare premiums, this is first and foremost part of the tax discussion about, well, if I'm filing jointly versus filing separately, does that impact how much I save or how much we save on our taxes? Yes. Does it also potentially impact how much you pay for Medicare premiums? The answer is also yes. This is a very overlooked thing when people are deciding to file separately and they're also collecting Social Security and they're on Medicare at this, all at the same time. If you file separately and you're on Medicare, you essentially go from paying what would be a maybe $135 a month for your Medicare Part B to maybe paying $400 a month for your Medicare Part B. Even without your income spiking up, you could wind up paying three times as much for your Medicare benefits, which will dwarf any savings you might otherwise have had on simply filing separately for your income tax purposes. So remember this, if you're looking at that filing status comparison, also take into account, or your tax person should take into account, how does this impact your Medicare premiums? Now, the other way your Medicare premiums get affected is if, very simply, your income is too high. Too high, maybe, according to the government. Shame on you for making so much money. So, yes, if you're, if you're single, head of household, 85000 plus, your Medicare premiums start going up. The same benefits, higher insurance premiums. If you're married filing jointly, that number doubles to $170,000. And, yes, they are looking at your adjusted, well, your modified adjusted gross income. So, basically, your adjusted gross income Plus, you know, plus some modifications here and there. And I will say this, folks, before we move on, uh, as I said earlier, we're holistic in nature, meaning we help our clients with Medicare selection. Uh, We have a tax department to help our clients with taxes, the whole realm. We're just not uh, investment advisors for the market or safe money. We do the whole realm of retirement. Now, on the Social Security, 
If you do have a child who's eligible for benefits based off of your work record, remember this, it's their benefit. It goes on their tax return. So you as the parent, think about this from the standpoint of you might have a 14-year-old child at home who suddenly now, you know, based on you claiming and collecting your benefits, they also get one too, okay? We, we've seen this get confused where people say, well, whose tax return does that go on? Does it go on the parent's tax return or does it go on the child's tax return? Well, in general, it goes on the child's tax return. Now, where it could impact or have an impact on the parent's return or how the parent's in, you know, return could impact the child's is when there's the kiddie tax involved. So, yes, if your child has investment income or they're working and they have earned income, that's when there's both tax returns that need to be considered together to see which is how it's to be affected. So, yes, there's a whole lot more to that one about how does the kitty tax affect or how does it impact maybe not only the child's return but also the parent's return. But nevertheless, in general, a child's Social Security benefit goes on a child's tax return, which usually means they don't owe any taxes if that's their only, quote-unquote, income. Well, let's close out this segment, James. All right. Well, that's kind of wraps it up for the Social Security segment. Just remember this, that not only if you're maybe more than a year out from your full retirement age, that there might be a take-back provision, there's the earnings test provision, but there's also the what do I owe for taxes issue with the Social Security benefits. So remember this, about Social Security planning, our invitation, our call to action is come see us, Brown Financial Advisors, and let us help you maximize your Social Security benefits. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. But stay tuned. You're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell. And we're an independent registered investment advisory firm. And we have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in your best interest. So we're going to work for you as clients, not companies. So give us a call at 513-575-9654. And we're going to meet with you as many times as necessary on a complimentary basis to fully analyze your situation. We have multiple locations at Milford, Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. You're going to meet one or all three of the guys you make a connection with over the weeks, months, and sometimes years, Greg, Barry, or James. And we're not going to value you based on the size of your wallet or purse. Uh, and we can help you roll out that 401k if you're no longer with a company. Chances are your money shouldn't be either. It's tax neutral. Take control of it. Invest it how you want to. 513-575-9654. Send us over an email at team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Visit our website at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Now, let's talk a little bit, James, about creating a diversified income strategy. That's what we do on a complimentary basis. And one of the biggest concerns or fears for retirees is running out of money before they run out of life. Now, let's take an uh, example of five, 500000 you have in a one-year CD, uh, you're getting roughly 650 a month or so, depending on where you actually bank. And that's before taxes, James. And, well, most people can't live on that. Uh, this is uh, why the traditional go-to options back in the day, 
I can remember in the 80s, I don't know if you can, when CDs were paying pretty good. Up double digits. Inflation was. Everything was double digit, That's right? right? That's right. So maybe you could make a CD work or maybe a bank account. Uh, pensions are all but history. Rates on CDs and savings are, are really minimal. They are starting to go up as Treasury rates go up. Bond yields, they're not much better, 2 to 5%, and they're not 100% safe like a CD. Now, um, life expectancies are getting longer. Now, I understand, though, for the younger generation, they're actually dropping a little bit. But there's a lot of baby boomers out there retiring right now, and they continue to to retire. And most all of us know, my mother-in-law's 90. Uh, most all of us know people 90 and maybe even close to 100. This is where, depending upon your age, whether the life expectancies are still yeah. going up or not, if you've made That's it true. to, say, 65, 65 then now – the average is you're going to be at least 85. You're if you're going to make it to at least 85. If you're a reasonably healthy 65-year-old, whatever that means, <laughs> uh, you're probably going to make it another 20 years. Compared to what, right? Yeah, yeah, whatever reasonable means. But uh, So can you afford to live until your 100th birthday? Now, if I'm in my 90s and I've got tubes all over the place, I don't know. What, what's the quality of life? But the key there is quality of life. And so you hear about centenarians. Who, who is the person uh, that used to have people that are 100 or over or used to be on a Today Show? I can't remember his name, but uh, there's a lot of 100-year-old people out there. Right. Now, you know, sometimes when we say investments, how does it, how does it kind of dovetail with the, not only the investment plan, but the retirement plan, the income plan, even the tax plan? Do you have any type of an integrated plan where they all kind of work together? That's going back to what you were saying about having not only a plan in place, but one that actually works well with all the components combined. Now, something else that we see quite often is where people come in and maybe their risk doesn't really match their portfolio. So this is also where we help is to ensure that your portfolio matches your tolerance for risk. This is the not only diversification when it comes to your asset allocation, but also maybe your tax status diversification. I would say for maybe about 99% of our new clients that we see where this can be a, a problem spot. They're either taking on more risk than they are aware of or they're taking on more risk than they need to at this stage of, of their lives. It's, it's usually that, James, that I see, well, I'm, I'm moderate conservative, but yet they have 20% bonds. It just doesn't match up. Now, we also see people who maybe they get too conservative and yes, they duplicate absolutely. when they – this is where when you have a balanced approach where you do a combination of red money plus green money in your portfolio, red money or yellow money being risk money in the market, green money being insurance-based, such as annuities, and sometimes when they say, well, overall, I should be a moderate investor. Moderate usually means 50-50, 50 between market or equities risk, 50 between safety, all right? So let's just say 50-50 in this particular scenario. Then they go out and they buy a fixed index annuity for about 25% of their money. And then, and remember, we're talking about for their money, their overall investment nest egg. Then they get into the market account, and they also get conservative with their market-based account. So now when you like look at their overall portfolio, they're no longer a moderate investor. They may be more like a conservative investor. They're more like at 25% market risk and 75% safety, which may not be a bad thing if that's their personality, but if you wanted to be or if you thought you were 
and maybe should be a moderate 50-50 investor, then you're not properly allocated. So remember this, when you're looking at your overall nest egg, don't just take into account what's in the market directly in the market. Take into account your overall nest egg, what you have for investments. So remember to count or don't discount your green money investments when it comes to your overall blend of how much risk you want to take. So, yes, we do have people who are misallocated between being too aggressive, also being too conservative, and the, the whole is like the, the Goldilocks being just right. <laughs> so, yes, this also gets back to knowing what you own and why you own it. So do you know what is actually inside your IRA? Do you know what's inside your 401K? How about your other non-IRA, non-qualified investment accounts? And that's something else that we oftentimes see people overlooking is having just a flat, non-qualified, non-IRA account and using that to take advantage of capital gains tax rates. So when we say your investment accounts, what are your investment accounts? How many do you have? Do you even know how many you have? Do you even know how you're invested? Are you getting the right kind of reward for the appropriate amount of risk? So when you, when you start to measure the, the type of risk that you're taking, sometimes the type of risk that you're taking is different for, say, domestic U.S. stocks versus the international stocks, or maybe it's the international funds. Are you a type of investor who likes mutual funds? Do you like exchange-traded funds? Do you like index funds? Or do you just like the, the stocks and the bonds? Well, so do you even know what you like? What, you know, this is, this is where being honest with yourself and being honest with, well, your in, investment advisor, maybe someone such as us, being honest about yourself, your tolerance for risk, not only in the good times, but also the bad times, too. That's right. And, and when you come in to visit, we'll, we'll do, a, uh, it's called the PAR process, Portfolio Analysis Review. And this is too True story, James. About a couple years ago, I had a a divorced lady come in and in her mid sixties, and she was on around all her friends and neighbors over the last uh, eight years. At that time, were getting all these great returns, and she was getting almost nothing—maybe one percent, two percent. Well, she had a hundred percent of her nest egg in a money market, and she didn't even know it. Uh, It's just where she parked it, I guess, after two thousand eight, and never did reinvest. So. that's important. Now, how do you protect people in an estate plan, James? Well, hopefully it's the people that you love, right? Hopefully it's your, your, your heirs, your beneficiaries, your family that you want to protect by having an estate plan. And start with this. If you don't have an estate plan, then that means that everything that you own, at least potentially that you own, that means your house, your car, your investments, Gold almost everything that's basement. not nailed down, right? Yeah. You know, we're not really necessarily talking about your household goods that you have, all those little trinkets and stuff you have around the house. We're talking about your major investments, how they can be at risk. And what happens is you put the state in control, whether it's Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, you put them in control over the disposition of your assets. And it also could mean that you have to open up a probate case. And a probate case could mean where it's tied up in courts maybe for months or even years. And if you look at the overall cost of probate, that's one of the things where you say, well, what if it only costs you 3%? Well, 3% of what? 3% of $100,000, 3% of a million dollars? It gets expensive. There's more. There's much more. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Again, 513 575 
888-985-9654. Call us. We can help. Okay, folks, on behalf of Greg Brown, James Ward, and myself, Barry, thanks for listening. Have a great week. And remember this, folks, sound money, where good things are believable, achievable, true for you. Free. Oh,